Welcome back to the Casey Adams Show. Today, I am joined by n- no one other than Dan Fleischman. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Dan. I think I was one of your first or second guests, right? Yeah, I think like number... Th- yeah, it, right in there. Right top, there. For sure. For one of the first, first five field. to ten. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so welcome to the studio I'm now. Happy to be here. We're here at the Blue Wire Studio. It's a little studio. different now. It, it is. It is. It's, you've been here since the beginning. I, I, fun story before we dive into it. Like, You were the... One of the first people I met went out to San Diego, a big mastermind experience, 2016, 20, 2017 specifically. So it's good to be here with you now. Yeah. Moving cool. on up. <laughs> Working on it. Uh, well, cool. We have 25 minutes. I'm excited to, to jump into it. You are just moving and grooving like none other. You're one of the people that I, I aspire to be as efficient as, you know, the, the way you travel, the way you launch businesses, the way you do things. I've always been beyond impressed and have strived to be like that one day. Um, but I'd love to talk about the card shop. You guys are expanding. It's been crushing it over the last, uh, what, two years now? Yep. Um, so I'd love to dive into it. How's the card shop? You guys are opening up new locations left and right. Um, what's happening in the card world? Yeah, so it all started with Gary Vee. Uh, he named it. It's called Cards and Coffee. And it was in a group chat. And he was like, yeah, we should do a store called Cards and Coffee. You know, like when you're with your friends at the bar, like drinking a beer, like, yeah, we should do a store called Cards and Coffee. That's a great idea. Yep. Well, I was like, oh, I'll do it middle of covid we're stuck in the houses my office has to be closed for a while all my staff's working from home i'm on my phone so yeah whatever i'll do it i like sports cards and uh, i just been with him to the sports card convention so i bought a bunch of cards and so i ended up accruing like 1.6 million dollars of cards that are just sitting on the floor <laughs> my wife was like yeah you should do a store get it out of here so it was <laughs> kind of sure. the perfect storm so like literally seven weeks later i opened up with dj ski inside a dash radio right in front of there at, in hollywood and we just took over and opened up a store. And I sent in a picture and a video like, hey, guys, we're, the store's open. Let's go. Yep. And uh, first year, we did $18 million in sales. Wow. And it's nothing like I expected. Right? I was hoping wow. I would do like two, three million bucks in sales, yeah. have a fun hobby business. Instead, we opened up Salt Lake City. Uh, now we're opening up New York City, then Jacksonville and all these other cities. Like, bam, 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 building an actual national chain store from this fun idea. And we're 24 hours a day live breaking online so we're ripping up in cards 24 hours a day on instagram yep. twitch etc so it's been wild you guys are crushing that's insane um how have you juggled that with you know i know when you guys launched that collectibles physical and digital yep. um you're doing a lot in the metaverse nft stuff now um for people that are unfamiliar with the space i'd love for you to give some insight into why you're so bullish on the metaverse why you're making so many investments in the space because i know you're you talk about it a lot and have a great perspective on it yeah, from an operation perspective, each thing has its own quarterback. So Mo Myers runs the sports card operation with the team. On the Metaverse NFT crypto side, I'm buying and investing with Travis Bott, my nephew Sasha, who's got a $30 million fund and a $50 million NFT fund, like who's 24 years old. Wow. So like I'm co-investing with guys like Travis who've had multi-hundred million dollar exits with my nephew who's got $30 million plus $50 million two funds in the NFT space. So I'm investing alongside an expert, similar when I'm running a business, I'm having someone run the business for me. Everything I'm doing to look like I'm juggling, I actually have really good people to help me operate each one. Yep. So the reason for the metaverse and why I'm so interested in it, I think there's going to be a few key metaverses that are going to really win. They have to be really well-funded, really good operators, and I'm betting big on those. And I always say, I don't go wide, I go deep. So I'm not investing into 19 different metaverses, right? Yep. I'm investing into the top three or four, and I'm investing a lot into the top three or four. So Adam Weitzman and I, we invested into one called Big Time. Uh, we put a million dollars into that one. 
and we're going to spend more in that place and actually build land and play inside of that. Uh, it's a play-to-earn game. Uh, I just invested a lot into a, one called Joystick. It's a guild. Joystick Guild is actually how you play or build in the metaverse is using companies like Joystick Guild. And so I'm going Got deep it. on these type of properties. But what really set me off was my nephew. So a quick fun story. Uh, so a year and a half ago, he asked me to split $12,600 with him. He put up $12,600 for three pieces of property in Axie Infinity inside of this metaverse. But when he sent it to me, it was like a black screen with a green dot. It wasn't anything interesting <laughs> or exciting. Normally, I'm a gambler. Like, yeah, sure, I'll just split it with you. But I just didn't feel it, so I didn't respond. He hit me up a week later. He's like, hey, let me know if you want to invest into this thing. You can buy some property just like I have. And I just passed. I said, you know what? No, it's okay. Yeah. My nephew, earlier this year, sold the most expensive piece of land in the metaverse for $2.5 million that I turned down. That is ridiculous. <laughs> I don't regret it, right? It's, it wasn't my investment style. It didn't feel yeah. right at the time. However, now anything my nephew says, I'm investing in, right? Yeah. You don't have to tell me. I'll just send you the money, whatever. Here, 100K, here you go. Yeah. Um, so that opened up my eyes to it. I was watching what people were doing with the space. And I've always liked NFT and crypto. I've obviously been doing crypto since 2014. Yeah. I mean, you, you were the person like, with your events back in 2017 when I initially heard about crypto. So that, to see how it's, you know, flourish over the last couple of years has been interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Um, when it comes to that investment itself, I know you've done just over what, like almost 40 angel investments now and you're ramping that up, your investor in media kits. Um, how do you think about angel investing? How do you vet deals and what do you look for in an entrepreneur when you're making investments? So first thing first is, do I believe that this person's going to win, right? Do I believe this entrepreneur is going to go through the ups and downs of what it takes to be a true entrepreneur? Because it's not just like the perfect Harvard grad or the perfect well-groomed person that's going to run a business. I want someone that's ride or die. I want someone that's going to be in the trenches when stuff happens because stuff's going to happen in every company, <laughs> literally every company. I want someone that's ride or die to be able to help scale that business. And so I want to bet on the person first. Second, I actually have to like them because we're going to be together for three to seven years on average. You know, it's a yeah. relationship. I'm investing in you. You're not going to exit in one year, Right. Three years, I'd be lucky. Yeah. Mostly going to be four years, five years, six years, seven years, maybe longer. So I got to like the person. I want to have to someone I can actually have dinner with like that I want to do, not because I feel like I'm forced to. I always say I don't invest for money. So like if I don't like someone, I literally won't invest. I don't care how good their deal is. Yeah, doesn't bother me at all. There's plenty of other ways to make money. There's plenty of other deals. I don't care. You could offer me the craziest deal. If I don't <laughs> like that person or I don't believe them or I feel like they could do something wrong or distrust them, I'm not investing under any circumstance. And so I have to like the person. Next. Does the project matter? Like, does anybody care? Who's going to buy it? For the most part, I'm only investing in the companies that have some sales already or some scale already. I don't want them to be huge, but I want them to be have done 1 million, 2 million, 5 million. I want some sales for the most part. Only some companies like yours will I invest in at the very beginning because I believe in you. I don't care if you would ask me to help you sell microphones <laughs> or tables or plants. I would have invested in you, right? Because yeah. I'm betting on you. For the most part, I'm only looking for people that have already done Preferably like two to 20 million sales is my ideal. Two to eight million is like perfect for me because I can really help them scale. Yep. The next thing is, are people going to keep reordering whatever that they're selling? I don't want one-time purchase type things because it's really hard to scale that. It's much easier to scale things that people have to reorder over and over and over and over and over. And so I like businesses that people are going to utilize on a consistent basis. Subscription companies, people pay. Uh, consumer products, food and beverage. People are going to buy food and beverage over and over. And then the last key thing for me is, do I think it's truly scalable? 
I don't mind if there's competitors. There's going to be competitors in every space. It's crazy to think there's no competition. There's always <laughs> going to be competition. If you yeah. make something good, there's going to be competition coming. I just want to know that you can scale it, and it is scalable. And so that's how I determine what type of companies I invest into. Love that. Um, I'd love to talk about this idea of personal branding. I, I, I tell this story all the time, and it's been you know, like a foundation of who I am about building a personal brand, putting out content. Like You and Gary were the, t- the people early on when I was 16, 17 years old that it clicked for me to, to start a podcast, to actually just put out content on social, and that's made all the difference in my life. I'd love for you to give some insight on how you believe social media has changed since you know, the time we met in 2017 to today and how people should be thinking about it in today's world. The biggest difference between 2017 and 2022 is the algorithm. There wasn't an algorithm back then. We just saw things in chronological order, like it should be. If you guys are listening, it should be in chronological order. <laughs> it shouldn't be an algorithm. Don't have to tell me what I want to see because I click follow on what I want to see. That's the algorithm, what I want to see, the follow button. That's the first thing. Uh, that's the main thing that changed. But the, the true difference now is there's a lot more platforms and there's way more influencers. <laughs> in 2017, there was a couple hundred main characters that were kind of like the key influencers that you all knew and talked about. Yep. And we all like every campaign I was doing back then for my social media agency was for these core couple hundred influencers. This year I paid 3,500 influencers. Wow. 3,500 influencers. I yeah. W9 this year. Think about the scale of how many influencers we're working with. And we're just one agency. Yep. There's tens of thousands. There's actually hundreds of thousands of influencers out there. Tens of thousands of big ones. Back in the days, it was literally hundreds and then maybe a couple thousand that had like medium-sized followings. So there's a lot more competition. 2017, other difference was LinkedIn was not a social media platform. Yep. It didn't have likes, comments, views, video, or photo. That didn't exist. TikTok eh, didn't exist. Yep. So you really had Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Snapchat kind of was around, but it wasn't really a social media platform. It was more like posting outward. You didn't really interact that much there. And so now you've got a bunch more platforms a bunch more scale. People are a lot smarter. The content's way better. The content sucked back then because yep. you know, nobody knew what we we're doing. <laughs> so just a different world now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'd love to talk about as well this idea of a mastermind. I know you guys have an incredible mastermind, the 100 million mastermind experience. For people that aren't familiar with it, I'd love for you to talk about it, but I'd love for you to just speak on the value of a mastermind and your experience as A, someone that has a mastermind and B, someone that has, you know, has had hundreds if not thousands of people come to events and be a part of them and the impact that has on the economy on job creation on everything in between like you are for so many people a, you know a figure who brings people together and i've seen it firsthand over the years um so i'd love for you to talk on a why you do that and b like the outcome of that over time so masterminds are important for people to be a part of and they don't have to be the paid ones you could do it with your own friends you could do it with people in your category you could do it with the local moms in your area or the local real estate agents or local car dealership owners or other gym owners if you own a gym. Getting with people and literally having dinner or lunch or spending a full day with them or a Sunday with them and just talking through life about lawyers, accountants, employees, hiring, firing, selling. What do I do here? What do I do with all these customers that are bringing back my stuff? My shipments aren't coming in on time. My manufacturer sucks. I had to fire my staff. My competitor stole my employee. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to think about and talk about. Yep. And a lot of us feel alone as entrepreneurs. And so being in a mastermind, whether you do it on Zoom or preferably in person, and really spend time talking through it with other business owners, especially if you can find ones that have already done it, that's ideal. The paid ones like I have, or the ones that I speak at, the difference there is 
everyone that pays to be there is really focused on being there. And they're really focused on succeeding and winning. For the free versions, people are there for a short period of time. They might be on their phone. They might not take it as seriously as they would if they paid for it. I do all three. So it all started with Elevator Nights, which is free. Yep. I've thrown Elevator Nights 47 times, <laughs> 300 to 1,000 guests every time for free. No tickets, no sponsors, no sales on stage. I learned from that and watched it, and I went and spoke at everyone else's masterminds, and I picked and choose what do people like about masterminds, what did they hate, and what did they not care so much about. And that's how I crafted for months. I was thinking about how do I create the highest-end mastermind in the world? That's why I came up with the name 100 Million Mastermind Experience. The word experience is to take it to the next level because a lot of masterminds are just in a hotel ballroom, yep. and it just, you know, I want to create experience. So I'm renting out Dallas Cowboys Stadium and the Diamondback Stadium and Dan Bilzerian's house and Porsche Racetrack places yeah. and bringing in <laughs> Chris Jenner, Mark Wahlberg, Floyd Mayweather, 2 Chains, Hulk Hogan, and every celebrity yep. you can imagine, g Easy. <laughs> I'm bringing them all into performance, surprise performances so that people create emotional experiences at my mastermind. I then created one called The Avengers. This is for real estate, investing, et cetera, and it was a lower price point. $100,000, $35,000. Why? Not everybody can afford 100K, and I only let, allow 100 people in that group. The 35K one, I can have a couple hundred people yep. to all meet that are doing seven figures, eight figures in business. They can connect with each other with the same format as 100 Million Mastermind. Why should you go? The people have vetted themselves. They've already proven that they care about business. They've yep. already proven that they want to better their lives. And so it's more important than the instructors and celebrities and all the glam I just talked about. The more important thing is the other members interacting with another Casey Adams, interacting with the other characters that are there. That's what's going to change your life forever. Love that. Um, when it comes to the, um, the, the game of relationships, how you do business, how you bring in different deals, um, you bring in a lot of celebrities to deals, whether that's DJ Ski or wh whatever it may be. How has working with celebrities with brands helped them over time? And I feel like you've mastered that in a sense. So how, how has that evolved in your life? So most celebrities, most influencers are just getting a check, right? Most movie stars, TV stars are just getting a check. They're paid for a service. Perform at a show, make a TV show, make a song, perform at a nightclub. These are services and they end after that night or after that movie or TV show comes out. Owning a product, owning a brand, owning a food and beverage company, owning a restaurant chain, those things, now you're talking about legacy. Yeah. Now you're talking about potential exits. When you think about celebrities, look at guys like Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. He's rich, rich. Yeah. Why? Because he invested in Airbnb. That changed his life forever. Yep. He made lots of fun TV shows, et cetera. Rob Deerdick, he's rich, rich. People don't realize how rich, rich Rob Deerdick is. Yeah. How did it happen? Many years on TV, then he has his next cool show, multiple shows on TV, builds up a brand, but then he starts investing in products and, and he invests in some companies. And then one of them exits for nine figures, and then he has another exit, and then another exit, and he's investing left and right. And so I am so passionate about investing and bringing celebrities and influencers to products and brands. I was doing that texting when we were in the hallway, <laughs> trying to get Amanda Cerny involved in a, in a brand, because I believe she's a good fit for this healthy brand. It fits her. I believe that attaching influencer celebrities to products and brands, whether they invest or use their likeness, will change their lives forever. Because instead of getting 10K for this or 100K or a million dollars or 200K for a product post or a TV show or a performance at a club, if Tyga and Amanda Cerny and all these characters have a piece of a product and own 5%, 10%, 20%, 50%, depending on the deal, that can change their lives. You look at guys like Steve Aoki, 
He's invested in so many different companies. Yeah. But he's got restaurant chains. He's got products. He's got clothing lines. He's got all these different things. And that's fascinating because he can make all this great money from performing six figures a night, performing at clubs and festivals, but then use that capital to invest into the sports card industry, the gaming industry, crypto, NFTs, clothing brands, et cetera, and really set himself up to have a bunch of seven, eight, and nine-figure exits in the future. Yeah, no, that, that's so epic. Um, I'd love to talk about even to just this idea when you talk about the metaverse, you know, your, your nephew, he, he saw it early. The last year has been crazy to see. I, I think I got involved like just like March, April last year, just seeing what's happening. Um, if you were to give advice to someone who's young today about either how to make money in the metaverse, how to get involved, why it's important, what would be those tactical things you'd tell them to do? Because I know you're so great at this when it comes to telling people what to do in a social media sense. Like you break it down and just the, the most simple common denominator of just like, just get started, post all these different tactics. How do you do that in the metaverse and NFTs and crypto? So the first thing to do if you want to make money in metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency space is research. You have to spend time researching and understanding which ones do you like, which ones are interesting to you, which ones have money free to make, because you might not realize you could buy an NFT and stake it and get paid just for owning an NFT. There's cryptocurrencies you can own and stake it and just make 7%, 9%, 12% a year just staking it, not really having much risk to it. There's In the metaverse, there's play-to-earn games. You could literally sit at home and play the same way you play Fortnite, you could play inside the metaverse and just make money every single day playing inside of games like uh, Big Time, Axie Infinity, Decentraland, etc. And so first it's research. Finding out where can I make money? How are the people making money? What are they doing, etc. The investing side of it is the same concept. You can start investing with 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks, 200 bucks. You don't have to invest tens of thousands of dollars. The amount you invest is all relative. But just being in the game of putting in $50 and putting in $100 and owning some Bitcoin, owning a little bit of Ethereum, buying your first NFT, not all these things are going to make money for you. And some of them are going to have roller coasters. Bitcoin mm-hmm. is very swingy. Ethereum is very swingy. Over the course of time, we expect them to go up, right? Over the course of time, I've invested a lot because they should go up. I believe in them. But in between, they're going to have some swings. You can make money by first researching, finding out what you like, what you understand. Having the knowledge will also help you because... Just by you spending hours and hours researching, it puts you way up here. Because most people don't. All the crypto experts you see, if you actually sit down and ask them questions, they don't know what they're talking <laughs> about. Because yeah. they are immersed in the space by investing and they feel like you know, they're swimming in the pool, but they don't actually have a, a life jacket. They don't actually know how to swim professionally. There's a difference between Michael Phelps in a pool and a guy doggy paddling. Michael Phelps studies and trains nonstop for all these years. And so you can become Michael Phelps in this game. And by you having knowledge and you following crypto accounts, and you following metaverse accounts, and you researching and watching, listening to podcasts by Pomp. At Pomp, it'll give you so much information by listening to him. Like yep. You just immersing yourself in the space will make you smart. And by you being smart, and you being at events, and you being immersing yourself, you will, by default, make money because companies will want you as an advisor. They'll want you to help them promote. They want you to talk about your, what's going on in the Discord chats and Telegram chats. People will pay you to just post about them in Discord and Telegram, even if you only have five or 10,000 followers in the crypto space. I love that. I know Pop. I've had Pop on the show. He's incredible. Just like, I think he's about like 1.4 million followers on Twitter now. Like his Twitter is so good. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you as someone that I believe just always has a pulse on, a pulse on social. What's your thoughts on Elon acquiring Twitter? So a couple things. One, it's fantastic for the world uh, because he's overly fair and he's, and he's pragmatic and he's listening to what people are saying and he's watching. Unlike uh, the other billionaires that owned it, 
And that's also an interesting part. A lot of people are like, oh, I can't believe this billionaire owns Twitter. Who the hell do you think owned it before? <laughs> the company just got acquired for $43 billion. Some billionaires owned it before. Relax about the billionaire thing. There are VCs, hedge funds, and big firms out of Saudi Arabia that own Twitter prior. So let's just be clear. Twitter is selling from multiple billionaires to another billionaire. It doesn't change anything from that perspective. There's still corporate governance. There's still going to be board directors. There's still advisors. There's lots of executives and zillions of employees. Now, we're just going to have a lot more truth behind it because Elon is so open. Love him or hate him. I very much love him. Love him or hate mm -hmm. him. He's going to show things to us and talk openly to us. And that's what we care about the most. Right now, with, whether you're right, left, middle, whatever, it doesn't matter. You have someone that actually cares about the truth and actually cares about showcasing things and is listening. As long as someone's willing to listen, listen, we're, we're never going to be happy with whoever the founder is. Nobody was happy with the owner of Instagram. Nobody's happy with Zuckerberg. Nobody's happy with this guy, <laughs> that guy, that guy. Yeah. Everyone, there's no way to ever make everybody happy. That's never going to happen in anything across the board. Okay. But having someone that's literally changing not just our planet, but our universe by creating three different multi-billion dollar companies. And nobody in history has done what Elon's done. He's got SpaceX. He's got... He's making the boring company go underneath our, yeah. and then he's going to take <laughs> us to Mars and the moon. As a guy making three multi-billion-dollar companies, I want to bet on him to own Twitter. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, obviously, we all we all see Elon and the way he spends his time must be just hyper calculated. When it comes to how you spend your time, you know, you're you're on planes every other day, you're all over the map. How do you spend your time, and how do you manage your time? Because I, I know you've done that very efficiently since the, the day I've known you. So I have a, my calendar is my, how I live by and group chats is how I run. So my calendar, if I, I don't change it, so I don't change flights. I've never missed a flight in my life. I've never been late to a flight. Um, I just, I'm obsessed with being on time to things. Every company that I have, every investment that I have, every event that I have, every charity that I have, every project, client, everything is a separate group chat. And so I know if my group chats with Casey and Roger and we're, texting i know that casey and roger both saw it yeah right i know it's a 99.999 percent .99 you saw it unless something happens right and if something happened i can bump it up with a quick like or comment and then boom it goes to your top so it goes from 99.9 .9 to 100 percent. you're gonna see it <laughs> yeah. so i use group chats for everything every single event every charity every client every everything my schedule does not change so if i say casey i'm gonna see you at one o'clock on thursday at the wind I'm going to be there, right? Yep. And someone else is not going to pay for my time to change that. Someone can't offer me like, hey, I need a bookie for something else. I don't do that. When I commit to something, that's what it is. And so I try to make my life, because if I'm open, if I'm viable, it's going to mess with you for so many aspects of your life. Yeah. And so I try to stay hyper-focused on this is my schedule. This is who I need to help me run it. This is what flights I have. This is where my hotel rooms are going to be. All those things are booked, and I also do all those things right away. So if I know I'm going to go somewhere tomorrow, I'm going to make sure I book it tomorrow, and it's going to be my schedule right now, and I'm going to text who I'm going to see tomorrow. When I go to a city, I have the names saved in my phone for New York, Miami, Chicago, Atlanta, Orlando, Vegas, etc., with that city name as their saved name. So I know I'm going to see people today in Vegas. Boom, I already have a bunch of meetings in Vegas today. Yeah. Because I can't forget because I guess look at my phone. Boom. There they are. Yep. Absolutely. Um, 
I have a couple more questions, Dan, before we wrap up. When it comes to like your just grand vision over the next, you know, 40, 50 years, what is your ultimate goal and how do you plan to, you know, get there with what you're doing today? So it's an audacious goal, but it's very realistic to me in my mind. So when I say it, when I say I want to save the world, there's just three core things that our world truly, truly needs at scale, especially as there's going to go from 7 billion, 8 billion, 9 billion, 10 billion humans. Food, water, and shelter. These three things are all curable, and I want to do it. I want other people to do it too, so selfishly, I don't need it to be me. Somebody else could do it, and I hope that they do. But if not, I want to be the one to help it, and I want to be the one to scale it. The food side, we don't need that fancy of food to survive in third world countries. They need very basic food. Would we like to get them more than basic food? Of course. But just to survive, getting them food that's healthier and just edible, like sprouts. Sprouts are really easy to make and they cost pennies. And people don't realize how many different versions of sprouts can be made to, for different beans and different things that people can to eat. Rice. We all know how cheap rice is. Rice at scale needs to happen. Health snacks are really small. People can at least survive and feel better if we've provided health snacks in these countries, nuts, fruits, cranberries, raisins, things that to us are just like random snacks. If you were living in a third world country in South America or Africa, et cetera, and all of a sudden you're in India and you can have these snacks, that can help you for the, to, to survive. Water. The billions of people that are getting sick every year is mostly from water. The amount of people that die from diarrhea and dysentery and those type of things that are so solvable, so curable, I want to help scale that. There's some great charities like Charity Water that are going to go out there and keep doing that. I want to support those, and I want to do more on top of that. And then shelter. Shelter, to me, is absolutely positively the most fixable thing out of all this because food and water, you have to keep replenishing and keep fixing and keep filtering and keep shipping snacks, keep teaching them how to plant. Hopefully, you can teach them how to uh, harvest their own food and set up ways for them to harvest their own food in these third-world countries. But here with shelter... This is super solvable. There's no reason there's not warehouse that homeless people can stay in. There's no reason that tiny houses aren't built at scale in third world countries. There's no reason that we can't teach them and help them figure out how to build for a few thousand dollars. Shelter does not have to be a $100,000 house. It has to give them shelter from the weather. It has to, hopefully there could be bathrooms and situations like that. But for the most part, just having shelter, food, and water is what people need. And so ultimately, that's my lifelong mission. The reason I want to get really, 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 really rich is for that. I've made a lot of money. And I, had, I haven't had the same watch for 12 years. I haven't owned a car in seven years. When I make lots of money, it has nothing to do for me personally. My lifestyle doesn't change. I invested out into companies, and I donate to charity. That's it. And so my goal of becoming multi-billionaire, it's not for me. I know what I can do with it, and I need to get really rich to do what I want to do. And I want to make my friends really rich, my followers really rich, because I need their support. I can't do it all on my own. No matter how rich I get, I can't do all this stuff on myself. So I want everybody around me to get really rich too so that they can help support these missions. I love that. Before we wrap up, I'd love for you to talk about your charity and how people can get involved um, for those that aren't familiar already. So for the last 10 years, I have a charity called Model Citizen Fund. We make backpacks for the homeless with 150 emergency supply items inside. It's half food and drinks. The other half is poncho, watch, sleeping bag, duct tape, socks, all those type of things. It's a 0% charity, meaning I cover all overhead for the last decade. I'm going to cover it until I'm dead. And so 100% of the money that gets donated goes to the charity. You can replicate my charity. You don't even have to donate. You can replicate. Obviously, you can make your own backpacks, make your own Ziploc bags, fill it with supplies, give it to homeless people. 
But if you want us to do it at scale, we give it out to homeless shelters, teen abuse shelters, women abuse shelters, and orphanages. We throw multiple charity events per year. But for the most part, I'm donating myself and having my friends donate to it. I'm not publicly raising all the time for it because this is my practice. Me figuring out how to deliver on time, how to get homeless people everything that they need, how to work with shelters, how to work with 501c3s, how to throw charity events at scale. This is a lot of practice so that when I'm ready to go big and go, you know, buy warehouses in South Africa and go, yeah. you know, send out semi-trucks of food to these situations, I'm practicing all the things that are charity related so that when I want to go help with water, food, and shelter later, um, I'm ready for yeah, it. Yeah, you get the reps in. <laughs> I love it. Well, Dan, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. Literally from coming to your office to having you on the Zoom now having you here today, I was, I was super excited to catch up with you. And for everyone listening, if you don't already follow Dan, where's the best place they can follow you? Uh, so it's all just at Dan Fleischman on every platform. It's also important for everybody to do the same thing. Your screen name should be the same on every platform. Your bio should be the same on every platform. And your picture should be the same on every platform. Love that. Well, everyone that's tuning in, make sure you go follow Dan. And if you are new here, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And again, thank you so much to Blue Wire Studios for having us here today. I will talk to you guys soon.